Hello and welcome to another Perusia podcast. I'm your host, Mark Griffin, and a blessed Easter season to all our listeners. It's been a memorable Easter season so far for unexpected reasons, and, and that, I suppose, continues indefinitely at this point of, at the time of this recording. Joining me today to provide a little pastoral direction for the faithful around the current situation, um, which we're all now facing due to the coronavirus, and also to share on an initiative that he himself is undertaking with the help of the Archdiocese of Sydney, is the assistant priest from Our Lady of the Rosary Parish at Fairfield here in Sydney, Father Josh Michaels. Thanks for joining me. Hello, Mark. Good to be with you and with all your listeners and viewers there. Wonderful to have you here. And firstly, happy Easter to you as well. Christ is risen. Alleluia, alleluia. He's risen indeed. Very, very, um, very exciting time in the church, I suppose, uh, through the Easter season. And even though everything's a bit crazy around us, I think people can still sense that joy. We, we feel disconnected, but through so many platforms, we're still able to connect. And, and people are, are sharing that joy of the Easter season. I think it's certainly uh, a Lent we're not going to forget anytime soon. And I think a time will come when we're telling our children and grandchildren about this. But it's a beautiful time, beautiful time. Before we go too far, and, and we're going to talk about a few things around the, the current situation, and, um, and as I mentioned, maybe a few pastoral pointers uh, along some of the issues that we're facing at the moment, but, we, but before, before we get into that, um, and for those who, who don't know you, who haven't come across you yet, um, I think it's always amazing to hear from our clergy and, and, how, about, and how they found their vocations and you never know, there might just be a, a young man out there who hears your story and is encouraged to take his own leap of faith towards a, um, a religious vocation. Can you give us the, the short version of the Father Josh Michaels story so far? Uh, I'll try. I'm, I'm a wog, so it's a bit hard to give the short version. But uh, <laughs> apologies for all the wogs out there, but um, you're all fully sick, okay? So just know that. Um, as, they, as we say, uh, but the short version, it's a beautiful, beautiful story, and I've been very blessed, but the short version is, um, I guess, uh, I thought about priesthood, I think, when I was about nine or ten. Uh, our family had a lot of comics of the saints, and probably a lot of your viewers and listeners would be familiar with some of them. So one was St. Francis of Assisi, another was uh, John Paul II, another one was Life of Maximilian Colby. Um, I think the last two, they were actually put out by Marvel, if I remember correctly. I can't remember. And, um, but I, was, I found them very inspiring and, I, and, uh, and the idea of laying down my life for others as a priest uh, and of, of being really radically close to the Lord um, those were the two things I got out of them, and it, was, it really responded to a desire of my heart. And so I think by the first year of high school, I decided I wanted to be a priest. And uh, I, our friends at school, we had a discussion about what we wanted to do when we grew up, and I said, oh, I'd love to be a priest. And uh, that didn't go down so well at all, and I received, to put it politely, much discouragement, much discouragement. Um, and anyway, it was from that point, actually, I started drifting away from my faith quite a lot. Um, I still went to Mass, but only because I was obliged to. Um, and I, my heart was closing to God a lot. And I started working after high school. I went to work straight away instead of going to university. And um, there was a period in the place where I was working, so I was working for, for lawyers. Uh, I was very impressed with their lifestyle and what they had. And uh, I was not so impressed with what I didn't have. And I thought the thing was, which was holding me back actually was, um, was uh, believing in God, right? Um, because a lot of them, they didn't believe in God so much and they were doing very well. And I thought, okay, this is my problem. So I deliberately made the decision to, uh, to not believe in God anymore, and which was difficult because I discovered straight away, if you don't believe in God, then uh, if no one can help you, then no one can help you. You're by yourself. Sure. Uh, which, is, which is very tough. And, uh, I mean, but, I mean, it can be a useful experience as well to understand that, especially the value of God in my life. Well, I suppose um, you don't know how lonely you can be until you're lonely, do you? Well, that's right. And, uh, but especially when, if you have difficulties, if, uh, if pe people around you cannot help you with particular things, then you're stuffed, you know? Yeah. If I may, I don't know, if, am I allowed to say that? I don't know. <laughs> We'll ask the editors later, shall we? <laughs> okay. But um, 
you're, 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 yeah, it's, you're in a difficult place. Um, but I still felt, okay, this is great. I'm being mature now. I've renounced my faith. I've made my own choice. Uh, it's not my parents' faith. And, uh, and also, like, I didn't know anyone who was, I, didn't, I knew zero young people who believed in God, zero, zero, zero. Um, and anyway, one day while I was working, uh, uh, I had an experience, which is a bit hard to explain. I can't remember exactly how it worked. But uh, basically, uh, it was as if God showed me the world, you know, and I don't mean I looked at the planet Earth, that's not what I mean, but just to notice the things around me. Uh, so the birds in the air and the, the trees, the beauty of the trees and all the people. And uh, in the city, obviously, there's lots of people. And uh, through that, it was like you said, very strongly in my heart. Uh, all these things, all these people exist because I made them and you too. And uh, whether you believe in me or not, it's not going to affect whether I I exist and whether I've created you and I'm still here. So your personal opinion doesn't actually alter my existence at all. And and I was really uh, pierced to the heart by that as as we've been hearing in the Acts of the Apostles in the last few days. That's a good expression. And um, so I just went to, it was actually the cathedral nearby, St. Mary's Cathedral in Sydney. I just went there quickly and I just, I didn't, I wasn't so clear on confession uh, in those days, so I just knelt down and I just said a simple prayer saying to God, look, uh, God, I've been trying to live without you and and I can't do that and I'm sorry for that. Please help me to live my life. And uh, something small changed in my heart and I walked out of the cathedral and there was a small part of my heart which had a certainty that God existed, right? And and all of that is grace, by the way. None of that's my great intelligent wonderings or anything like that. There was just pure grace, I, I would say. Um, and from memory, I think it was actually, it may actually have been the, um, the, uh, the year of Jubilee, the year 2000, sure. I think. And so I would put that down to, in part, all the prayers that people were praying and, and offering for, for sinners, you know. Um, so I think that was obvious to me that helped me as well. So thank you to all of you who are praying for sinners in the year 2000 and those who are far from God. And then I went to uni and, uh, after and uh, different things and then anyway while I was at university uh, I um, I started university and I got involved with the chaplaincy because um, I was just curious who were the Catholics there because like I said I didn't know any anyone my age and um, they put a they, they put a lot of um, uh, pressure on me to go to World Youth Day basically and uh, I don't know how they did it but they convinced me to sell my car and um, uh, which I did, which was a great loss, I realised afterwards. But anyway, and I went to World Youth Day in 2002 in Toronto. And um, while I was there, the, I mean, the thing which really, uh, for those who have been to World Youth Days, you know what I'm talking about. I was just shocked at the, um, the number of young people who were there. And I remember in particular the, um, the uh, final mass with John Paul II. And it was at an airbase and because there were just so many people there, young young people, and I was just amazed that as far as the eye could see, all the way to the horizon, was young people there to meet the Pope, uh, to pray. They were there saying, praying their rosaries, going to confession, um, singing songs of praise to God. And I was really, it's something I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really impressed by this. And the other thing which really impressed me was, again, something I had rarely seen in my life up to that point was lots of young priests who enjoyed being priests and who, and who were valued by the young people and they were going to them for confessions and for advice and the priests were happy. And uh, and, I, and it occurred to me, you know, actually maybe that's not, uh, I thought, oh, yeah, maybe priesthood uh, briefly, also be, also because of the figure of John Paul II, mm-hmm. uh, who, who, was, who was quite elderly and sick by that time, but uh, as until his death and even in his death was a very impressive man, obviously. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I came back from there with what I'd call a fire in my heart. That's how I explained it, uh, fire for the mission. And I, I did a few things with the chaplaincy. And um, anyway, um, and of course, what I did, typical Catholic young man, you start getting ideas about your vocation and so on. And so I started uh, going out with uh, ladies around the university, uh, very lovely ladies. And then there was, um, and then I was in a, I was in a last. Um, Relationship was a very beautiful experience, and which I'm always grateful for. 
was very it's been very useful for me and uh, I was seriously thinking about uh, taking further steps in that relationship and anyway we, the chaplaincy had a um, had a retreat uh, at the end of the year which they asked me to um, and it was preached by uh, auxiliary Bishop Anthony Fisher actually uh, okay. that year yep. and um, during the retreat they'd hand out little bits of the word of God and uh, and asked us, to, you know, you choose one and you pray about what it says. And so mine was the text of the disciples at Emmaus mm-hmm. uh, where Jesus is revealed to them in the breaking of the bread, just basically mm-hmm. those two verses there. And I was like, oh, like, what's this got to do with me? Like, I don't understand. And, and so I went to one of the chaplaincy staff and I said, look, can you help me explain this? And they asked, what do you think? And I said, well, I don't know, maybe God wants me to promote Eucharistic adoration or something, I don't know. And uh, I asked him, well, what do you think? And he said, um, maybe God's calling you to be a priest. And uh, I was horrified at the idea and I said, no, no, you don't understand. That's not how my life is going to work. And I explained how my life was going to work. And uh, he said, okay, fine. Um, and then uh, it turns out the, um, the, the lady I was going out with at the time, uh, we broke up I think the next day or the day after. Uh, which was difficult, but um, during the week I spoke to a priest friend of mine, Dominican. Uh, Dominicans seem to wave their way through my story, you know, like these little handoffs, you know. Um, It must be the hood. Obviously it's the hood. That's it. And to this day, actually, virtue of the grace of my my, my, uh, vocation, the Emmanuel Committee, I wear a Dominican alb, actually. It's just part of the uniform. Right. So, but anyway, there's a side point. It's just interesting the providence of God, how it works. Uh, I spoke to him and he said to me on the phone, uh, well, you know, Josh, that um, Christ says uh, those who give up everything and follow me will receive a hundredfold in this life mm-hmm. and in the next. And that was a new idea for me because my understanding of spiritual life with God and so on was always you'll get it all, you'll suffer on earth and you get it all when you get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when he said that, I thought, oh, okay. And I was surprised at my positive reaction to that. And, but anyway, that was only for a week and then I started out going out with this girl again. And, but long story short, uh, I was never at peace about that after that. Mm-hmm. And I was basically torn between the two vacations and I thought, no, I've got to be responsible and sort this out. So um, I decided to end the relationship for the time being and go and discern. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I did it with... Um, the uh, the Emmanuel community actually, who are a new community in the church, or they're not so new; they've been around for forty years now. Um, and they offer a year of discernment in uh, in Belgium at the moment, internationally. And so I went and did that, and uh, to my surprise, because I I really thought I'm a totally unworthy, incapable uh, candidate for it. Um, but to my surprise, it really did seem to me through the Ignatian retreat and other things that we did that God was calling me. And so I said okay, we'll give it a go, and I, um, the cardinal accepted me as a seminarian and then I went into the seminary and so on. And, again, to my surprise, no one ever kicked me out of the seminary. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, but, and, and, to, and you're still wondering and blah, 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 but then the ordination, uh, ordination came, and uh, especially priesthood. And uh, I remember walking into the cathedral and uh, it was very hard, actually, because I felt so unworthy and what am I doing? I, I feel like an imposter, you know, walking up to be ordained. And uh, I couldn't, there was a, my folk, my, one of my favourite hymns was playing. I just couldn't sing it because I kept almost crying each time. Uh, but then, anyway, then I was ordained and I can't explain, but I was just full of joy. And, um, and that joy has never left. And uh, Something interesting you mentioned along there uh, was yes. you, you were talking about uh, the the road to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and um, and your immediate reaction was thinking something along the lines of Eucharistic adoration. But just before that, when you were talking about World Youth Day, you experienced something similar to what they did. You said you came back and there was a fire in your heart, and that's exactly what they said: "Where our hearts not ablaze." Exactly, exactly right. That's just, that's right, and uh, and I think that's an important reference for us uh, in the Christian life. Uh, it's not just feelings. Uh, when we talk about heart, people often think, oh, it's my feelings. And, uh, and sure. On the one hand, like, oh, it's all, I, I base all my decisions on my feelings. No, that's a mistake. Yep. But also to, to ignore 
not only your feelings, but also what your heart is. Because the heart is the seat of, of the person, the seat of the human being. Sure. Uh, it's the location of our intelligence and our will and our memory. And it's the place where of our conscience and, and the place where most profoundly God meets us. Uh, and I think one big problem we can have is we actually don't know our hearts very well and we don't know much about them. And it's really worth taking time to, to read and then to, be, to learn about that. But also in our own prayer, to ask Christ to reveal to us the, the state and content of our own heart. And, and that's, I mean, that's, and obviously the grace of the Sacred Heart is in a, involved a lot in that. So, um, and just as another side note, I was blessed to be at your ordination and it was a wonderful occasion. Um, and something that I remember really well from, uh, from the whole day was after the ordination mass, the priest there gives uh, his first priestly blessings to all of those in attendance. And, uh, and we were all lined up for the blessing and I was in the, the queue in front of you and, and I finally got to a couple from the end and they said, no, nope, we've got to move. And they had to move you to the, the reception area in the hall and they started another queue and then they said, no, nope, sorry, we've got to move. And so it took me three or four goes in queues to actually get my blessing. But I did get my blessing from you on that day. So. Thank God. Yes, I had, uh, I had a couple of bounces that day. Yeah, you um, did. <laughs> but, it's, cause it, but it's really interesting. It's, it's, it's a really beautiful thing that you have to because otherwise you're just bowled over by all the people of God seeking the grace of God, you know, and that's a really beautiful thing to, for, and for anybody. And they're sharing in your soul on that day. It's, it's an absolute Absolutely. joy on that day and everyone wants a part of that and it's, it's an infectious sort of environment. I don't know if uh, of our listeners, who, how many of them have been to, to priestly ordinations, but it is such a joyous occasion, whether it's for one priest or for multiple priests. It's, there's always that, that joy there that, you know, it, it's, it just takes over on the day for all but, the people. But the, the, it's, the church is, it really is a communion of saints and that's a good experience, a good example on earth of uh, the joy which we all experience together as the community, the communion of saints. And so me, myself, when I go to ordinations and so on, um, I still, I don't say I experience that same joy, but I, I do experience, in, in the same sense you have compassion where you feel the suffering of the other, uh, you also, as Christians, because we really are united in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. we experience the other's joy as well. And this just goes to show why jealousy is so dumb, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason, there's a commandment, don't be jealous. It's because there's arguably no quicker way to make ourselves unhappy. But whereas if I love the other truly and I really receive them as the gift they are for me, then their joy is also mine, you know, and it's, it's such a beautiful way to live. Yeah, um, something really beautiful. And I think lockdown is a good opportunity for us to discover that, to be honest. Absolutely. Now, bring it forward to current day. You've been ordained, is it seven years since your ordination? Am I right? No, I'm still, I'm still uh, well, you know more about children than I do probably. <laughs> I'm uh, four and a half. Is it only four, four and, and a half? half. Yeah, I don't okay. know what that means. I don't know if I'm tallest trained yet. I don't know. <laughs> can't remember. But... Yeah. Uh, uh, but I'll, look, it's I love being the pri- a priest. It's the best job in the world, and like, wow. wouldn't I wouldn't if they offered me five million or whatever I don't know whatever they offer people now. Um, wouldn't stop it for any. Uh, why would you? Like, it's uh, I, I still can't believe I'm a priest, and I'm lucky. I'm so blessed to have that chance um, to 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 live with Christ that way in my everyday life, to serve the people of God that way, and it's just. It's actually really fun. I, it sounds light when I'm talking about it like that, but I really, even all the challenges and writing homilies, writing homilies is fun, you know. I mean, yeah. it can be frustrating sometimes because you're like, oh, what do I say this week? But when you take it to the Holy Spirit and you pray, and it is fun because you start showing the way, oh, yeah, that's really clever. I never thought of that. And it's really, really beautiful. So young men watching, listening, uh, please take time to properly discern your vocation so you do not miss out on the joy that God is offering you if he is calling you to, be, to priesthood, and if I, that I is your vocation. I can't begin to tell you, and I hope the other people listening and watching this feel the same, what a joy it is to hear a priest say that, to say that they love what they're doing, they look forward to the next opportunity to practice their priestly ministry, and and they, they just completely embrace it it's such a joy to hear that coming from the from the clergy so thank you very much firstly for your vocation but and and saying yes but then for for living out that vocation with joy and that's that's very inspiring so thank you for that um blessed be good blessed be good bringing forward to to current times now and and from perspective of the laity we've seen great distress confusion even anger 
uh, at the current situation that is keeping us out of the churches, um, we do, we feel locked out of the churches. Can you share a little bit, though, from the perspective of the clergy and how difficult this whole situation is from a priest's perspective and and how you're coping yourself with with the current arrangement? Uh, So... um to be honest, I think uh, a good part of the difficulty for everybody, including the priests, is just the very fact that uh, what we are living is new. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and it's it's a big it's a big shock to our system. It's not something we have expected to live anytime soon, or if any time at all. Um, and it just goes to show how much we have to give thanks for for the freedoms that we normally have. Uh, and I don't think it's a bad thing actually for us to experience these difficulties, even for a short time, which this is relatively, which yeah, many of our conquerors across the world have to live, you know. Sure. Um, um, so I think I think that's it's, it's good to keep it in context like that. And, and, that's, and that is already helpful in responding to that challenge in a mature way. Sure. Um, but certainly, obviously, like with everybody, it was a shock and, uh, <laughs> you know, you sort of, you sort of, feel like in your heart, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, no one's going to shut my church. And, but of course, I mean, we have responsibility, you know, for part of charity is caring about the health of others, mm-hmm. you know, and if that means we need to make some small sacrifices uh, to protect, especially the weak and the elderly and, uh, you know, those who would be quite quickly affected in a far stronger way than us. That's, I mean, that's what Christians do. Like we shouldn't, be, and we shouldn't be surprised that we're asked that, especially the Christians. And in a sense, this is why, um, in a certain way, Christians should be able to respond more, more positively in an easier way than others, because at least in theory, we are trained really for genuine charity and oh. for laying our life down for the other, and so on. Um, that said, certainly, like it was quite. Um, it was quite eerie the first few days, like seeing all the posters for the latest things. For Put up in the parish and so on, and thinking, you know, I'm, I'll be, uh, I'll, me and the other two priests were the only people going to see these things for the next six months, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we had no idea how long the thing would go on for. Um, and uh, what was particularly uh, strange, also, I mean, straight away, it's funny, you know, because um, as a priest, you sort of do. I mean, I don't know, but. Certainly, me occasionally you sort of have these, you know, idealistic ideas of oh, I'll be, it'll be great. I can just say mass for myself sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when as a priest, that's always been a joy for me. Also, sometimes um, when that's presented itself, although less so these days because I'm just so busy. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Praise God. Um, but uh, the first thing I noticed straight away is I really miss my people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not there, and uh, and and uh, and really moved with a great compassion. Also that. I can enter the church anytime I like. Mm-hmm. It's my workplace, and and uh, but uh, my people can't. And um, and I, I can I understand really well. Uh, I hope uh, something of the the pain that would be for lay people to suffer, mm-hmm. um, not being able to even just visit the Blessed Sacrament or to dip your hand into the font and, and you know, bless yourself with holy water or. Um, and uh, and we notice, you know, how much just even though I never go there, the fact that I know the local church is open is such a consolation for us in our life, you know, mm-hmm. And uh, because life is not so simple for us. But um, and it was eerie, I have to say, especially Holy Week. Um, Absolutely. I, I don't, I, in my reading, I gather because of our, I don't know what you call it, um, Everything is linked up in the world now, and I don't know what I can't remember what the correct word is for that. But uh, you know the internationalization of everything. Yeah, I gather that pandemics will be actually more common now. Um, I don't know what that means, or I mean at least we'll respond more positively. But in any sense, um, I don't know if I'm going to have another Holy Week where celebrating it. I'll just be with the two other priests, and that's basically it, and a server. And then on the vigil, we had a cameraman. Um, mm-hmm. And and his wife, and that was it. And um, especially uh, Good Friday, we stand there, and we're reading to we're reading the um, the passion, the passion, uh, proclaiming it to an empty empty pews, you know. And uh, 
it's uh, strange, uh, eerie. I think eerie is a good word. Yeah. Um, but uh, all of that said, um, personally, I've found myself very busy, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, one reason why is because the things which you normally do take a lot longer. Sure. And the reason is because of all the technical stuff and so on. So uh, the first thing I did straight away was um, start a 6.30 a.m. adoration and then um, 7.30 a.m. mass streamed daily, mm-hmm. um, Tuesday to Sunday. Uh, and oh. normally that would take an hour and a half, maybe an hour, three quarters, including sitting up and so on. Sure. It just takes a lot longer sure. um, now. Um, well, let's go there. While, while you mention that, while you mention that, obviously the Sunday mass obligations have been relaxed indefinitely, um, and you, you, you've been live streaming certain, um, as you say, adoration, um, some of the masses, the, the liturgies. Um, for those tuning in at home, can you give us some sort of clarification? Are they actually, for someone who watches a live stream mass, are they actually attending mass just by viewing it online? And can graces and blessings be received? The same graces and blessings we receive through our normal attendance at the church, can they be received down the line, so to speak? Uh, So the short answer is uh, yes and yes because of the circumstances, Mm -hmm. because of the circumstances. Um, So if you're, oh, I don't want to go to church today, I'll just sit on my lounge and watch watch it on TV and when you can go, okay, that's an issue and no, you're not receiving the same thing at all. However, if you want to go and you normally would go and you are prevented either by government regulation or little Johnny got his foot stuck in the toilet and I have to take it out or like so state of life, that kind of thing, sure. um, it's not the same. Does that make sense? So I say that for the benefit of parents, for example, um, yeah. who are, um, who can find it. I mean, just going to Sunday Mass with their children, especially little ones or, or frustrated teenagers or whatever, can find it quite challenging and, and might feel uh, it's it's not the same and there's no point in me going to Mass because I just don't get anything anyway. It's not true. And the, it's a really, it's a subtle or perhaps not so subtle temptation of the devil. Do you fear that uh, this, um, do you fear this is access, accessibility to Mass in this form at the moment is going to, um, I suppose, change people's um, perception on what it is to go to Mass and people will, even after this is all relaxed, they'll be sort seeking out Mass from home um, drive-through mass, whatever you want to call it. Do you reckon it's a problem that people are going to be seeking this out when we get back to normal? Uh, I think you'll see developments both in the positive and the negative. So um, from a negative point of view, yes, it's possible that some people might just decide, well, I don't really need to go to mass anymore because I survived the pandemic and everything was fine. And um, so so they might drift away in that sense. But I think you also get the reverse. And uh, being a priest in pandemic and seeing how how grace is working during this time for people, mm-hmm. I've also seen the the reverse as well, which is people drawn more to, and to the sacraments and their desire for the sacraments uh, greatly increased because they realise what they what they've now lost. Sure. They're not able to, or, or if I may say, which they can't access as easily as they could at the moment because basically mm-hmm. um, you can access the sacraments more or less as normal, like in the, in the normal daily life sense anyway. Um, so um, I think, uh, I mean, and part of it is disposition of the heart as well. Like, um, I, I mean, it's interesting because it's not the first time the church has done this kind of thing. So, uh, for example, one example might be uh, St. Charles Borromeo. Uh, during, the plague, uh, during the plagues in Milan, uh, what he would do was he would, same mass in the public square, mm-hmm. people couldn't come, right? Mm-hmm. But they could see him from their homes and they'll pray along in that fashion. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Um, so, uh, and what's also important, I think, especially reading things on Facebook and some articles that have come out, and I, I think it's just important just to to be aware that the question, the question really is, and the, the worry is, will I have what I need to get through today? Sure. Right? And but the Our Father, which Christ himself taught us, is very clear on that, you know. Um, and so is St. Paul uh, in that, okay, yes, we, it's, we need, it's important for us each day to ask for our daily bread, for, for all the graces I need for the day. However, St. Paul is very clear. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, you have more than enough graces. Mm-hmm. You have more than enough graces to deal with the day that God has placed before you. 
Uh, and the fact that you, the fact alone that you have woken up is already a, a great gift from God, the gift of life. Uh, and with, along with all the other gifts we have in Australia. And frankly, um, like at the moment, we are really uh, almost more than any other country, I would say. We are very blessed, even in the way we are asked to live the pandemic. We are yeah. much more blessed, I think, than most places in the world. And that is really something to recognise and thank God for. And when we do so, um, that puts us a lot more in reality and also puts us at ease. So, sure, absolutely. Don't know right. if I've asked your question there, but... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a, a couple of quick um, short responses. I'm, I'm just conscious of time. Um, so a couple of quick okay. short responses to a few practical applications here. Um, yep. Can you quickly explain to us, obviously... Uh, receiving communion is something that we're not able to do at the moment uh, and people are really struggling with that. Can you quickly give us an explanation of a spiritual communion, what that involves, and also just uh, just to branch off, well, not really branch off, but just a different aspect of that. When we receive communion physically, we're required to be in a state of grace, uh, free from a state of mortal sin, um, and is there the same requirement for a spiritual communion? Okay, so maybe going backwards. Um, okay, maybe not. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas speaks about this, amongst others, right? And he says there are two, two forms of receiving Holy Communion. Uh, one is obviously in the physical manner, which we are familiar with. And the other, with which we are less familiar with, but perhaps should be more so, actually, according to the saints. It's been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. And the saints were great um, practitioners of an act of spiritual communion. Um, do you need to be in a state of grace to receive spiritual communion? No. Uh, however, of course, as with all graces we are given in any form, uh, our, uh, the state of our soul does determine to how fruitful the reception is. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, so that's the issue. Um, and I think it's also important to recognise when we're like watching mass, even with all our heart and so on, we don't go to mass just to receive Holy Communion. That's not the point of mass. Yeah. Certainly, it's the high point if you like. But um, you have the whole first section, which is the proclamation of the word, which includes the homily, which most people aren't aware of, uh, and also the fact that I am participating in the whole action of the universal church. So not just me myself. Sure. Um, uh, and I think that's very important for people to be aware of. Absolutely. So, Great. Thank you. Um, question number two. Uh, along a, a practical line, uh, in some places, uh, priests are still able to hear confessions from the faithful, but in the situation where this isn't possible, is there a next best thing um, to uh, an in-person confession or is it that or, or nothing? What, what, what's the next best thing if that exists? Okay, well, certainly if you live in, uh, well, for starters, certainly if you live anywhere uh, with a parish, you, if you need confession, you are still able to receive full priest and uh, the priest comes to you, right? And it's possible for us to make arrangements. So, for example, we keep the distance, use of masks, gloves, etc. Mm -hmm. um, we can still hear your confession, right? And so p please don't be afraid to ask. And even where, uh, especially in places like Sydney, uh, we've discussed this. There's a, there's a WhatsApp group of, um, of younger priests for this reason now. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Uh, even if your priest is elderly and so on and is fearful of being ill or whatever, um, you just uh, ask for who, whoever the, the next person is. But each generation really have delegated priests, especially younger ones, mm -hmm. who are free to come and see you. And, uh, but, I mean, I just saw in a, an email of the Vicar General just today to all of us, really encouraging all the priests to be available as normal for all the usual sacraments, uh, including anointing of the sick also, if I may say. Well, that's actually um, question three while, while we're on that. And, and, and my question three, I suppose in the way you've answered question two, it, it kind of answers question three in its own way as well. But from my perspective, now we have a child due in four to six weeks. I, I can't even remember now. It's hard to keep track of time at the moment. But when this child is born as a parent, I feel a sense of urgency to get that child baptised. That, that, that is my first priority for that child as a parent is to get them baptised. Now... If we're in a position, and, and not necessarily even from this um, current pandemic situation, but if we're in a position where that's not available um, and there is a sense of urgency, whether it be for health or for just the fact that you don't want to leave it too long, it's still a valid sense of urgency. And in my mind as a parent, um, what, what can we do um, in this situation and then more broadly, what can we do in, in, and, and for 
basically those sacraments that they're, they're once-off sacraments that have a, um, I suppose they're time-sensitive. So, that, that uh, so I mean, if, it's probably good if I speak specifically about it. So, for example, uh, in the case of baptism, except especially baptism of uh, children who have just been born and so on, uh, I mean, I think the guidelines issued by the Archbishop of Sydney are really excellent in this regard. Uh, so, I mean, it's quite clear and quite simple. Um, so basically we, we have deferred baptism until when it's we can more do it generally, so in a few months or whenever that is. Uh, if the child is in danger of death, then you ask the priest to come and baptise. Uh, or if really in danger of death, like it's quite urgent, uh, then you baptise yourself. So all you need is... Uh, Depend to pour natural water, so water from the tap is fine, it doesn't have to be holy water, um, onto the forehead of the child, saying, I baptize you with the name. Uh, it has to be a name, obviously, which is not contrary, uh, which does not contradict the Catholic faith, put it like that. Uh, I baptize you to your name in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, three little splashes on the forehead, like that. The child is baptized, um, and then you would notify the local parish as soon as you can. So it can be entered into the register and so on. And so afterwards, if any other extra anointings need to be done and so on, um, that can be done also. Uh, so it's quite simple, really. But, I mean, um, I think also you should have, um, it's not a bad thing to put your trust in God who gave you the child. Sure. Um, so I understand the urgency. And if something actually, I mean, so obviously you ask God to protect the child and so on, as you would normally anyway. Um, I, I think it's just if there's something which comes up which you think might be of danger to the child, then you you act in that sense. Um, but uh, first first reference is where you can to get a priest to come and do it first. Um, I think my friend Father Michael lands on, on has posted on YouTube somewhere, and you probably will be able to find it in other sources as well. Just a little video showing people how they can baptize their children. If necessary. Okay, wonderful. No, fantastic. Well, no, thank you for. For, I suppose answering questions that that come that've been coming up uh, in various different circles, people are just wondering. As you say, we haven't. This is new. We haven't seen this before. So it's basically getting clarity around how this continues to work now that it's different. And and God willing, it's not different for long, and we do get back to some sort of normality. But in reality, we don't, we don't know what normal is going to look like in the future. It, it, it may be what we've had before. It might be something completely different. So. For that interim period, though, I think it's just it's good just to try and get as much information as we can, and, and inform people about about where we're at, so that the uh, minimise the confusion. If I, may, if, if I may say one thing, which I think is extremely important uh, for sure. everyone to hear, if you haven't heard it already, um, this time of lockdown uh, is a rich opportunity. It's a rich time of being in the desert with the Lord. We've been, we've been denuded of many things many comforts we normally have, um, and this thing has happened in the providence of God, and I think it's really important to make the most of this opportunity, a time of retreat in, in a sense, to be denuded of the things which are not essential and to refocus on what are really the essentials of my life mm -hmm. um, and, and to use this time profitably because, again, I don't know when we will have this time again. I mean, obviously, I'm not making light there of the people who are sick and those who are dying and who have died. That's a terrible thing, a great suffering for anybody. Um, and I understand that very well. Um, and at the same time, we can still uh, live this time we have been given by God as as it's been given as a gift, really, for our own holiness and to grow close to him and really to become, be able to freely give ourselves to our, our true and authentic heart's desire, which is God himself, obviously. So I suppose in a way, in that summary you've just provided, um, I use the, the language of the old normal, the new normal, don't forget about the current normal. This is normal for the current situation now. So I suppose we have to, as you're saying, embrace it as it is. And then if it changes, embrace that when it changes for what it is. That's right. So do not run away from the present moment, if, even if it's painful and hard. There is no other place you find God. God is only, he's not there in the past. He's not there in the future. He, we find him now in the present moment. This is where he meets us. Beautiful. You've just summarised the whole situation beautifully. So thank you for that too. Um, Let's move on. Uh, I mentioned at the start that you, you've undertaken an initiative with the Archdiocese of Sydney, and that being you're aiming to provide your daily homily in podcast form um, to podcast world, and, and, and the new podcast that you've come up with is called The Furnace. Uh, can you speak a little bit about how this all came about and also the name, The Furnace? Where does that come from? Okay, so um, 
I've for years I've been toying how do I do my homilies? Like, do I just give it to people? Do I spread? And I've done, I've tried to blogs a few times and then no, I don't know. And uh, so, anyway, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, when all this stuff was starting being announced, and it was the day I, I just happened to 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 be on, on Facebook as you are sometimes, and uh, I was seeing a lot of a lot of cries uh, to put it a uh, um, cries for help. I don't know what a better word for it is of a lot of my friends in Melbourne, sure, uh, and who you know. Uh, all the churches have been shut. They, from what I heard of them, no mass, nothing, zero. And they're like, well, "What do we do?" And and my 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 heart immediately went to them. I was like, "Gee, this is really terrible. These people can't go into their church because in Sydney we still could." Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so I was really moved by compassion, and I was thinking, "So, okay, what can I do?" And um, someone had it suggested to me six months before, and I said, "No, I don't think that's a good idea. Let's just take it easy." And uh, but I thought, okay, let's try a podcast. And uh, I thought about it and then I knew the Archdiocese does some of this stuff, but I wasn't really clear on what. So I gave someone a call and they gave, put me in contact with someone else. And um, so I, I came in contact with uh, really a wonderful um, a, a man. He's worth, he's worth his weight in gold in the uh, Archdiocese. His name is Mark Lynch, uh, who's been helping me record the podcast every day and producing it and doing all this stuff, which I don't really know. Um, but it's, it seems to be going very well. Uh, so at the moment we're 60 downloads a day, which is, I think apparently is not so bad for a few weeks' worth of podcast. Um, and the reason for the name, uh, that was a good question. That's a good question um, because obviously I, I was thinking, well, what do I call this? And there were all kinds of things I could have uh, gone with. But basically the point was uh, the opportunity as well that this is an opportunity to proclaim the love of God to the world and uh, and really uh, the heart of Jesus to the world and something which is extremely important for me and I imagine for any priest, the heart of Jesus. And uh, so there are different formulations for that. And uh, anyway, I came across a quote of uh, St. Uh, Gertrude, a beautiful prayer she has actually, and it's on the side of the blog there in the introduction, where she describes the heart of Jesus as a furnace of love. And uh, I almost called it the furnace of love, but uh, I'm a chaplain to Sumner House, and the young man then said, "Father, don't call it that because it sounds like a 1970s disco." So, <laughs> I, so I said, "Okay, we'll just go with the furnace," and we went with the furnace, and um, and uh, that's it, really. So, um, and, and apparently, that, so praise God. And in that, we've actually gone full circle because that thing's now come up three times: the fire in the heart. So. <laughs> Quite, quite unintentionally yeah, throughout right. this discussion. So. There, there you are, you see. It was meant to be. The Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he speaks well through his donkeys as a priest. You know, but <laughs> now, obviously you're, you're providing your what would be your daily homily in Mass. Um, can you speak a little bit about the importance, especially at this time, but, but ongoing, uh, on daily scripture meditation? For those of us out there who may not have discovered the great treasure we have in the scriptures yet, how important is that well, for us? Well, uh, Mark, good question, but what an appropriate question to ask because what a good reason God would have for permitting the lockdown because this is an opportunity to drive the Catholics kicking and screaming into actually poking their nose into a Bible and plunging into the rich gift, which is the Word of God, you know. And um, it's really interesting because a lot of Catholics just seem to think that the the, the Bible, it's just like this Protestant book, and uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, and and the popes and the saints have been very, very clear about that. Pope Benedict is very strong about that, and Pope Francis also actually has been very strong about that. Um, so uh, it's it's a beautiful, simple, and direct way of accessing the heart of God. Really, it's true. Okay, I don't have Eucharistic adoration like I used to. Maybe I can get a live stream, but maybe that doesn't work for me so well. Okay. Um, but if you have a Bible, I mean, every Catholic home should, should of course, it goes without saying, it should have a Bible in it. Absolutely. RSV, I understand, is the best one, Catholic edition. Uh, and it's, uh, and, and what you do, I mean, to start with, I mean, I don't know, but you just, t- you just decide, okay, I'm going to have my prayer time every day because, of course, as a Catholic, you pray every day, mm-hmm. of course, right? Otherwise, what are you doing with your life? Um, you're missing it on the, the the one thing, you know, the the Lord. Uh, to, to, okay, so for example, 
okay, if I'm going to have this prayer time at this time in this place uh, and I'll take 10 minutes in silence just to, to, to spend with the Word of God. There's a few different ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, one is simply just to take your Bible and you, do the, uh, you begin the practice of uh, Lexio Divina. So, I mean, I invite you. Uh, there's a lot of, you, I could say about that, but you probably have podcasts on that, I imagine. Somewhere. We, we've got a few resources. We might put a few links on, on a bit of what you're saying now. I mean, you, you made mention of um, the Catholicity of the Bible. Um, straight away, Jimmy Aiken from Catholic Answers, he's the senior apologist exactly. there, he's released The Bible is a Catholic Book. And we've got that now at the Perusia yeah. store. So go to our website, you can check that. And there's a few other resources on Lexio Prayer and, and, and all of those sort of things. So we'll try and put a few links in the show notes to this podcast, um, mentioning a few of those, yeah. So uh, so through the steps of lexio, meditatio, oratio, and then contemplatio. Contemplatio is, I mean, the point you, you can reach where you don't care about anything else anymore. You're just there with God and you just want to look at God and God's looking at you and you want it to be like that forever and it's just wonderful. And, and you can really be led into that uh, kind of prayer. Like most of the saints, when they had their time of prayer and ecstasy and stuff, a lot of the time, it wasn't necessarily before adoration. So Margaret Mary, yes, and that is very important, mm-hmm. very, very important. But on the other hand, uh, the Lord does. The Lord is so generous; He doesn't come to us just through one means, sure. even just through the Eucharist, um, and and the, through the Word of God is really another beautiful means He Himself has provided for us, and which and which Jesus used Himself. Uh, and the Psalms, for example, they're really the prayers of the heart of God. Yep. Um, and the other thing I would say is. Uh, another use, again, which is very little spoken about, is for people to pray, pray the office, right? So the, the, the office of the church, morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, night prayer, and the office of readings, you know. And it is a beautiful way to, to punctuate your day with the word of God. And seriously, it's really amazing. Just praying the midday office, if I can just share, it's like you stop everything and you just pray it. And it's like suddenly... You, you're taking a few minutes rest with God on a desert island and it's just you and him. And he's, and very, very often, usually, the, 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 one of the Psalms or the little scripture text which is put in there or something like that is exactly what you need for that point of the day, whether you're sad or happy or tired or whatever you are feeling. Um, and it is a really strong way for, and when you pray the office, the whole church the whole communion of saints enters into the room where you are praying the office. And so I really encourage our viewers and listeners to, to, to try just one of the offices, even the night prayer, for example. It's very, very useful. You, you bring to mind, and I'm sure I've probably mentioned on this podcast before, the story that uh, Jason Everett tells um, when he's speaking about uh, um, St. Teresa of Calcutta. And with all the work that they do, they were, they were so hardworking. The order is still such a hardworking order and very generous with their time. And there was a scenario where they were finding themselves swamped and the sisters went to, to Mother Teresa and they said, we just don't have enough hours in the day. What are we going to do? And the instruction back was spend another hour in Eucharistic adoration. That's and, right. And as That's counterintuitive right. as that sounds, you give the hour to God, he'll give you much more than an hour worth of resources back. And, and if we have faith in that, 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 that will drive us. Uh, and and uh, I, can, I can only confirm the experience of Mother Teresa and the the, the missionaries of charity. Absolutely, it's is absolutely this, true. Is this podcast something that you're going to continue um, as churches are reopened down the track? Are you going to continue to be producing this? Ah, this is a good question. Uh, so it, we'll see what the Lord wants, and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Probably, at the, I mean, it was originally started just to help uh, people suffering from the lockdown and to help them pray and hear the word of God and be consoled and so on and encouraged in this time. Um, I may well at least continue Sundays um, for the daily. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't know, but God God will tell me and God will tell us in time. And so we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But, um, but I do ask, please uh, have a listen. If you think it's good, please subscribe and please share it with others because that helps. Um, and justifies the resources used in uh, producing the podcast. Absolutely, so, thank you. Um, once again, we'll share the links to the podcast in the show notes for this particular for this particular show. Uh, but again, it's called the Furnace, 
Um, you can find it uh, wherever you find your podcast. It's it's available through all the podcasting apps. So so look out for it, um, make use of it, and as you say, share it share it around as widely as possible. And, and in this way, we can stay connected with the Word of God um, in in some sort of community way, uh, as best as we can with the current situation. Um, look, Father Josh, it's been fantastic having you on today. I've really enjoyed our chat and, and being able to catch up. It's a, it's a while since we've had a chat, so I've appreciated that as well. Um, thank you so much once again uh, for your yes in your vacation and, and for your for your priestly ministry. Um, I'm sure your parishioners at uh, at Fairfield uh, are very much reaping the benefits of, of your hard work and. And also more widely than that as well, the people in, in podcast land that are, that are going to be listening to you, um, thank you so much for everything that you're doing for the church and, and for the witness that you're, that you're giving to all of us as to, to how to live our vocation, whether it's the religious vocation or any other vocation, but how to live it well and, and with joy. So, so thank you very much for your time today. And um, we look forward to catching up again soon. Uh, before we wrap up, can you please um, bless us in our work and, and bless the listeners as well? Sure, and uh, in in doing so, I'd also like to thank uh, all of you, those especially those who are in the lay state of life, uh, for the way you help me in, in the way you live and your determination in front of uh, difficulties and so on, in what you teach us as priests. Because I don't know if you know, but the priests learn a lot from you and are taught by you, even in hearing your confessions and so on. The Lord speaks to us also, and so we thank you for your generosity in that and giving you giving us the privilege to to see that. So um, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, protect you, strengthen you in this time, help you see his presence and love in your life wherever you are, and uh, help you to open your heart to ever more greatly receive his immense love for you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Josh. You've been listening to the Parisia podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to you tuning in to future episodes. God bless.